Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to the Restored Heart Podcast. My name is Tyler Hers, and I'm super excited to dive into this with you today as we're going to talk about the topic of holiness and personal revival. This is all stemming from a word that one of the leaders had received in this ministry group I'm involved with at church. And she heard two words succinctly, and I believe it was on purpose, but it was cry out holy. And I felt as though the Lord was calling us, his people, to a greater reverence for his holiness and a greater reverence for his blood, thus creating an atmosphere where personal revival becomes possible, becomes a natural response thus allowing us this this heart posture where we can consecrate our lives unto him all for his glory so i'm really excited to share this with you and again i i hope that you are so encouraged by this i would love to hear your feedback by the way so if you would love to reach out my facebook is just tyler hers and instagram is at tyler l hers h-e-r-z so thanks so much again for listening stay tuned So while praying into that word received by the other ministry leader, the Lord started to download different aspects of his holiness into my heart. I started to get this prompting from the Lord to truly desire greater reverence for his holiness in my own heart, a holy fear and a reverence for his blood. Jeremiah 32, 40 says, I will make with them an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them, and I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. The word used here, fear, is a translation of in awe of or in reverence of. So this passage tells us that he himself will inspire us to stand in awe of him. And there are so many good reasons to do so. But I began to ask God for more, and he started to draw me to tabernacle study. Leviticus and Hebrews, the Lord was showing me a reverence for himself and his blood through an invigoration of personal revival. We've been praying for worldwide, regional, community, and church revivals, but the Lord started to show me that although we can trace the revivals of past to groups of people or perhaps even individuals that started to step out in faith or even entered into seasons of intercession while partnering with the Lord for Uh, praying through breakthroughs and change, that it really means that these people were so overwhelmed and empowered by God and had experienced his holiness in a very real and radical way, through which they had been experiencing their own personal revivals in their hearts. See, when you spend time with Jesus, you walk away changed. Actually spend time. Though I fear too many self-professing Christians have fallen into circumstantial Christendom, where the level of faith or intensity of reverence toward God is based upon their life situations, trials, and how they're feeling. But His holiness is so pure. His majesty is so glorious that in His presence, when you stay there, you cannot help but be completely undone and transformed. It has been predestined that through faith we would be conformed to the image of his son to be holy and blameless in his sight. So the Lord started to take me through the tabernacle in Leviticus. Now, the book of Leviticus is packed with expressions of his holiness and the due response of the people of Israel. The Lord says in Leviticus 20 verse 7, Consecrate yourselves and be holy, 
because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. See, Israel was to be totally consecrated and dedicated to God. Her holiness was to be expressed in every aspect of her life to the extent that all of life had a certain ceremonial-like quality because of who God is, what he has done, and his invitation into holiness with him. Think about that. God, the holy God, who is incomparably awesome in majesty and overwhelming in his infinite power and glory with absolute moral virtue, before which all creation trembles, invites us into consecration, invites us into setting ourselves apart for him. The fatherly desire that comes with that is just remarkable. Therein actually creates a need for relationship with the holy God because we, mankind, cannot inherently generate holiness on our own. And this is shown throughout Leviticus as we understand the nature and necessity of the sacrifices and offerings that took place. Leave no doubt about it. Ancient Israel and the tabernacle courts were blood-stained because of sin. There was such a need for sacrifice due to the to the grand depravity of the multitudes of sins committed, that sacrifice needed be made day and night, constant. The law required that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. However, it was all just a picture of the good to come, because it was utterly impossible for the blood of bulls, goats, rams, and birds to take away sins. Blood offered by appointed priests, could not take it away. And this is where Holy Spirit and I camped out for a while, just understanding and acknowledging what happened on the cross in terms of atonement, having a reverence for his holy blood that was so graciously poured out for you and for me. When Christ died, something so incomprehensively beautiful happened in the tabernacle, not the one made with human hands, but the perfect one of heaven. He shed his innocent blood, he entered into the most holy place and Jesus put his blood on the seat called mercy. And then he sat down at the right hand of the father, vowing that with everything that I am, I vow to fulfill everything I have promised with my blood. And now for the first time in history of the world, innocent blood is speaking on behalf of guilty people thus obtaining eternal redemption. For there had been no one innocent. There had been no one holy. Jesus was pure and blameless, the spotless lamb. He is so holy and he is so very good. This blood is more than just forgiveness. It's redemption. Redemption. Not just to make it to heaven. No, but to be transformed. It's God regaining possession of our lives, reconciling us back to himself from the entanglement of sinful nature and desires which had once separated us from true relationship with him, conforming us to the image of his son. When we are consumed by this aggressive love, we exist in the fire of his holiness. We are now welcome to come into the most holy place on behalf of Christ's holy blood, boldly, without hesitation. And now through the indwelling of Holy Spirit, the will of God for the consecration of our lives is a lot less like a tightrope walk 
and a lot more like what Adam and Eve experienced, walking with God in the cool of the day, listening to him, learning from him as he revealed aspects of the beautiful creation that he let out before us and his beautiful character, like little children just following their dad. So as we draw near to God, he develops in us a reverence and understanding of his holiness. And our natural response is to put off the old self, that which is corrupted with sinful self-centered desires. And we live ceremonially consecrated for the glory of the Holy One. Second Corinthians 7, 1 says, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. And that's just the way of life for the redeemed. Holiness becomes lifestyle. It becomes lifestyle through our relationship with Holy Spirit. He puts his laws of love in our hearts and writes them in our minds. Your heart, after being infiltrated with the love of Christ, begins to beat with a constant rhythm of revered acknowledgement of belonging to God. This is the state of personal revival. And this is where we're called to exist from the very beginning set apart, consecrated unto him who is holy, partnering with his sanctifying work in us as he facilitates change to be conformed to the image of his son, all for his glory. In Jesus' name.